slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kicking down the cobblestones, looking for fun and feeling groovy. Revisit this theme. Continual cheerfulness is a sign of wisdom. Irish proverb. The Lek of the Irish. Cheshire Cat Magnetic Belts. Persian New Year. Ides of March. And other news in poetry. I love this Irish proverb. Continuous cheerfulness is a sign of wisdom. Because I won't lie to you, I confess, I have been associated with this trait. In fact, this trait of cheerfulness is my practice and devotion. And this trait is, well, for example, Mickey Mouse, that indefatigable spirit of being undaunted, referred to by British cultural critics, that relentlessly cheerful idiot optimist. Mouse. Yeah, there. I think that says it. On this note, thank you for your cheer here, here today. Poetry Slowdown for RadioMonterey.com with producer Zappa John, Mr. Z, who produces our podcast at BarbaraMossberg.com. I am your host, Professor. Barbara Mossberg. This is a great week for the Irish for Happy St. Patrick's Day coming up. We'll be hearing words of poetry by William Butler Yeats and James Joyce and Seamus Haney and Irish Blessings and our Persian communities celebrating the Persian New Year. It is spring. We did it. The world Mudlicious and petal wonderful, E.E. E. Cummings. We got through the winters of our discontents, Shakespeare. I think that sums up what it is about Rumi and Heifetz that is so lovable. Rumi is the best selling author in the United States. This man who wrote in the 1200s BC by which you know I mean before coffee. And Heifetz in the 1300s BC and Poetry Slowdown, another good news to make us cheerful and wise, we are getting set to negotiate the Ides of March. So we're going to be giving you everything you need to um, make it through this day uh, coming up, beware, beware, Julius Caesar was told. But did he listen? No. In fact, he was snarky to the old lady warning him. Didn't he read or see Beauty and the Beast and realize that gnarly old ladies have the wisdom and the power? Heed their advice. 
He taunted her. Ides of March, snides of March, na 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 na, only to receive about 48 or 148 stab wounds on the Senate steps a little later. So don't count your Ides till they're done. I'm just saying. And pretty soon they will be done. So woo. And we're thinking again about some science news that we'll call our po- on our poets to wait and on to enable us to be continuously cheerful as a sign of wisdom. Now, when we read the headlines, it may not seem that intuitive that we should be cheerful about the news, but we're going to look for it. I'm thinking back, we've just heard that Albert Einstein, a hundred years ago, had predicted gravitational waves, and that theory has been proven. Well, I'm thinking about something else that was considered a possibility, a third magnetic belt around Earth, which was appearing mysteriously as if two were not enough to keep our astrophysicists worried. There actually was a group, Tethers, conceiving a space project in which we suspend a giant tether into the belt to ward off some of the electrons. The Van Allen belts, just the two of them encircling our Earth, are so radioactive that They knock out satellites, they jeopardize astronauts, and who knows what else. But our poets are on the case, as you knew they would be. So we're going to begin with news on the topic of wisdom and the struggle to make a life of meaning and purpose and solace and cheer, enduring, which will take us to some great poems on what and how to make of our moments and to Rumi and Heifetz. So let's slow down, get our cheery game faces on for continual cheerfulness as a sign of wisdom. A psychiatrist helping people to figure out their lives, who they are, what they should become, how to plan, has a question held up as a magic mirror, a light into the mind. What are the moments that make your life enjoyable and worth all the other stuff? What seconds give you joy, pride, whatever keeps you going? I think that is so interesting and important that it is what gives us cheer that we can build on to make a life that will work for us to be sustainable for our spirit. When we try to identify what are the moments, the seconds for us, this is poetry terrain when the mind slows down arduously, if not also joyously, to capture this. Can I sail through Changing ocean tides 
Ezra Pound said, we do not know the past in chronological sequence. It may be convenient to lay it out anesthetized on the table with dates pasted on here and there. But what we know we know by ripples and spirals eddying out from us and from our own time. Lord, said David, since you do not need us, why did you create these two worlds? Reality replied, O oh, prisoner of time, I was a secret treasure of kindness and generosity, and I wished this treasure to be known, so I created a mirror, its shining face, the heart, its darkened back, the world. The back would please you if you've never seen the face. Has anyone ever produced a mirror out of mud and straw? Yet clean away the mud and straw, and a mirror might be revealed until the juice ferments a while in the cask. It isn't wine. If you wish your heart to be bright, you must do a little work. Just to be held up by the ocean is the best luck we could have. It is a total waking up. Why should we grieve that we have been sleeping? It does not matter how long we have been unconscious. We are groggy, but let the guilt go. Feel the motions of tenderness around you, the buoyancy. Be helpless, dumbfounded, unable to say yes or no. Then a stretcher will come from grace to gather us up. We are too dull-eyed to see that beauty. If we say we can, we're lying. If we say no, we don't see it. That no will behead us and shut tight our window onto spirit. So let us rather not be sure of anything besides ourselves and only that. So miraculous beings come running to help crazed, lying in a zero circle, mute. We shall be saying finally with tremendous eloquence, lead us. When we have totally surrendered to that beauty, we shall be a mighty kindness. And that is Rumi, 1200s. Haifetz, a Persian mystic, 100 years later, says, It happens all the time in heaven, and someday it will begin to happen again on earth that men and women who are married and men and men who are lovers and women and women who give each other light often will get down on their knees and while so tenderly holding their lover's hand with tears in their eyes will sincerely speak saying, My dear, how can I be more loving to you? How can I be more kind? Hi, Fitz. Another from Rumi, as we're thinking about the Persian New Year, the guest house. These are all my favorites. This being human is a guest house. Every morning, a new arrival, a joy, a depression, 
a meanness. Some momentary awareness comes as an unexpected visitor. Welcome and entertain them all. Even if they're a crowd of sorrows who violently sweep your house empty of its furniture, still treat each guest honorably. He may be clearing you out for some new delight, the dark thought, the shame, the malice. Meet them at the door laughing and invite them in. Be grateful for whoever comes, because each has been sent as a guide from beyond. The first time ever I saw your face, I thought the sun The mystery here. People who were born so long ago and far away, whose lives were so different from ours, without coffee, without iPhones, without, well, what are the essentials we take for granted about our lives? Yet these speak to us in some way, find us true words, find out who we are, what we care about, what is true for us, hold a magic mirror up to ourselves. And in this vision, we permit ourselves to forgive, to heal, to hope, to feel redeemed, and belonging to a magnificent human community. I think of a question an analyst asks his patients in their stressed out, complicated lives, trying to figure out what to make of their lives, their potential, and create a plan for going on. And that is, what are those moments, the seconds that make life enjoyable? What positive forces drive us to keep showing up, to endure all the things we endure? Here's a clue to Rumi's meaning to us and how he provides a way to answer this question. And this is called Moments of Happiness. A moment of happiness, you and I sitting on the veranda, apparently two, but one in soul, you and I. We feel the flowing water of life here you and I, with the garden's beauty and the birds singing, the stars will be watching us and we will show them what it is to be a thin crescent moon. You and I, unselfed, will be together, indifferent to idle speculation. You and I, the parrots of heaven, will be cracking sugar as we laugh together. You and I, in one form upon this earth, and in another form, in a timeless, sweet land. This is George Sirtis, the wolf reader for Marilyn Hacker. 
There were the books, and wolves were in the books. They roamed between words. They snarled and loped through stories with bedraggled, wolfish looks at which the hackles rose and the world stopped in horror. And she read them because she knew the pleasures of reading, the page being wrapped with the magic of the fierce, and she could do the talk of such creatures. So one day, when teacher asked if there were any who could read, she rose as if the task were play to claim the story where she felt at home. The tale was Riding Hood, the wolf was gray, the fierceness was the wood where gray wolves roam. She read it round, she read it through and through. It was as if the wolf were hers to comb like those bedraggled creatures in the zoo that, trapped behind the bars, would snarl and stride as you'd expect a page or a wolf to do. This is Dusk by Margot Berdyshevsky. This is the place. No chairs. A woman who was choosing has sent a petal from her bloom of conscious closing. The woman who was choosing when scratches vellum. The rock stands. The woman in the nest of the phoenix hovers nearer, her edge like that brood of earthing opal-throated pigeons in an empty flower trough, thirsty, one steer above my cell, breaking their shells one by one. She repeats my words from dusk in a jungle where medicine leaned small against thorn trees. Each poison growing in a forest lives beside its antidote, we said. I am still eager, I said, or the scent of hyacinth, the woman remembering who was choosing when to die will curl before leaves have blood burned September, surrender by starvation. The woman who was choosing when to die, too young to be skeletal, skin taken, wing, bone no longer needed, dove, fire-eyed, distant, opal, the root does not care where her water comes from. Here is another thirsty body broken into mourning. And this poem, the poet writes, influenced someone to write her and say that she wanted to be remembered by such a poem in such moments, in such seconds, that that's what a poem could do. Dima, Shihabi writes, in Gate of Freedom, lovers of asparagus, alive as hummingbirds, place their nostrils over a low cloud, wet of air. It's the year of green hills in California that early spring. The evening is blue, split between the first snow on the mountaintop and a computer screen, where news of a man whose body is eating itself sighs the long-stemmed breaths in the room. Do not weep if my heart fails, he writes. I am your son, gate of love. Son I have. Your hands bulge with pear tree blossoms. 
You are bellow and sweat, hunger and bread. I part the fog to find you through a grimy crowd of kids before you give in to the affection that soils you in public. I'll promise you a truce. Gate of Peace I have so many sons withering, I whispered to the Chinese elm, as news of the man whose body is eating itself disputes with the bressola on crisp baguette that I'm eating in a garden among the flung-out blue jays and limping daddy log legs. No hymns left, only a small neck the sun gnarls through. So, in these dark gritty poems where is cheerfulness how do we access our moments of consciousness about our lives our own wisdom on the roots of cheeriness of redemption of joyous purpose Rumi asks if you're irritated by every rub how will your mirror be polished? He says, The minute I heard my first love story, I started looking for you, not knowing how blind that was. Lovers don't finally meet somewhere. They're in each other all along. Sell your cleverness and buy bewilderment. What you seek is seeking you. The wound is the place where the light enters you. You were born with wings. Why prefer to crawl through life? Don't grieve. Anything you lose comes round in another form. When you do things from your soul, you feel a river moving in you, a joy. Ignore those that make you fearful and sad, that degrade you back toward disease and death. Knock and he'll open the door. Vanish and he'll make you shine like the sun. Fall and he'll raise you to the heavens. Become nothing and he'll turn you into everything. Forget safety. Live where you fear to live. Destroy your reputation. Be notorious. My soul is from elsewhere. I'm sure of that. And I intend to end up there. In your light, I learn how to love. In your beauty, how to make poems. You dance inside my chest where no one sees you, but sometimes I do. And that sight becomes this art. I want to know the joy of how you whisper more. Don't be satisfied with stories, how things have gone with others. Unfold your own myth. And still, after all this time, the sun has never said to the earth, you owe me. Look what happens with love like that. It lights up the sky. 
These are all lines from Rumi in the 1200s. He's been running thousands of miles from the tyrant Genghis Khan. And he is giving us ways to recognize beauty within us, within each other, and to trust the grounds for a serious cheerfulness. It's in you, this wisdom, that is cheerfulness after all. After all that goes on, the outrageous things in the news, when we come back after our song break for our wise and cheerful poetry slowdown, we're going to hear poets who give us ways to be cheerful about Space's Cheshire Cat, the third magnetic field encircling the Earth. I'm Professor Barbara Mossberg. Cheers. So I'll Like the you are listening to our poetry slowdown, radiomonterey.com. Think for yourself, radio. I'm Professor Barbara Mossberg with producer Mr. Z with news in between and beyond and through the heartbreaking, fast-breaking news of worries and sadness and badness, of hope and inspiration, stories every day that are fractals of our own stories, our own momentous events. So I'm thinking of news that has mattered to us in our moments right around the Ides of March coming up on March 15th. There is this third magnetic field. And I would really like to think about what the poets have said. Because when we just discovered that Einstein was right, that there really are gravitational waves um, that have come from collisions so long ago we can't even comprehend it. Like, what? Well, this is Albert Goldbarth. The sciences sing a lullaby. Physics says, go to sleep. Of course you're tired. Every atom in you has been dancing the shimmy in silver shoes nonstop from mitosis to now. Quit tapping your feet. They'll dance inside themselves without you. Go to sleep. Geology says it will be all right. Slow, inch by inch, America is giving itself to the ocean. Go to sleep. Let darkness lap at your sides. Give darkness an inch. You aren't alone. All of the continents used to be one body. You aren't alone. Go to sleep. Astronomy says, The sun will rise tomorrow. Zoology says, On rainbow fish and lithe gazelle. Psychology says, But first it has to be night, So 
biology says the body clocks are stopped all over town. And history says here are the blankets, layer on layer, down and down. That's Albert Goldforth. And here is Edward Saunders' quick black hole spin change. I don't like it. Two massive black holes, each twirling at the core of two merging galaxies, get close enough to fuse together, then quick as a wink, just as they are melting into a new black hole blob, they undergo something called a spin flip. They change the axis of their spins, and the fused together black hole blob gets its own quick as a cricket's foot, don't like it at all, and then the new black hole blob sometimes bounces back and forth inside its merged galaxy till it settles at the center. But sometimes a newly upsized black hole leaves its galaxy to sail out munchingly on its own into the universal it. I don't like it. Nothing about it. In the Bhagavad Gita, the book of Revelation, Shakespeare, Sappho, or Allen Ginsberg. And here is Cameo One by Michael McClure. We have gone, gone, gone in the hole where soul swells into nothing, leaving solid space where profiles of gods and fairies are carved and finally polished by the clanking of trucks, thunder-shaking waves, and the taste of mangoes. Here's Lawrence Ferlinghetti, Poetry as Insurgent Art. I am signaling you through the flames. I am signaling you through the flames. The North Pole is not where it used to be. Manifest destiny is no longer manifest. Civilization self-destructs. Nemesis is knocking at the door. What are poets for in such an age? What is the use of poetry? The state of the world calls out for poetry to save it. If you would be a poet, Create works capable of answering the challenge of apocalyptic times, even if this meaning sounds apocalyptic. You are Whitman. You are Poe. You are Mark Twain. You are Emily Dickinson and Edna St. Vincent Millay. You are Neruda and Mayakovsky and Pasolini. You are an American or a non-American. You can conquer the conquerors with words. That's Lawrence Ferlinghetti and Gregory Sherl writes French Kissing. What is there left to do during a truce but look at boys swinging swords at the trunks of trees? You reach into the sky and pull down a phonograph and we listen to the helium in the stars. Your hands are Clean air, and that's worth repeating, but the clouds are mad. Wet more than dissatisfied nature, the lakes rise to the sky only to fall back down. 
everything not the same, but still everything. John, warmed by skin and thunder, please stay. People love and it's good. I've always said to the going, it is better to gaze at the ground than to find yourself buried beneath it. Ruan, in a dream I'll never have, or to purify the sin, to growl like a lion, to cough angrily into the wind. Jesus, may we all die the same. I said his name too. I said it in a morning, not yet sin. So those are some poets reflecting, trying to be cheerful, or at least wise, about what we're learning about the universe. And just to get us ready um, for St. Patrick's Day, um, as we think of Irish wisdom of cheerfulness in the presence of the science of our world, we're going to hear James Joyce writing in the 20s. He's not intimidated by this seen and unseen world of forces, of currents, of air and water. Here he is in Ulysses, his take on Homer's odyssey in his world. And he's going to take words, words like ineluctable, modality, diaphanous, and fling them, hoist them about like a circus juggler sensationally. Just listen to the flow, the energy of the poet finagling and having his way with the shenanigans of our physical universe. And remember Wallace Stevens, who said, the greatest poverty is not to live in the physical world. Here's James Joyce. Cheers. Ineluctable which means inescapable, modality, the concept of the necessity, the possibility of the visible, at least that, if no more, thought through my eyes, signatures of all things I am here to read, sea spawn and sea rack, the neary tide, that rusty boot, snot green, blue, silver, rust, colored signs, limits of the diaphany, but he adds, bodies. Then he was aware of them bodies before, how by knocking his scots against them, sure, go easy. Baldy was, and a millionaire, maestro de colard quesano, limit of the diaphany, which means transparent or insubstantial. In why in diaphany, a diaphany, if you can put your five fingers through it, it is a gate, if not a door. Shut your eyes and see. It soared, a bird. It held its flight, a swift, pure cry. Soar, silver orb, it leaped, serene, speeding, sustained to come. Don't spin it out too long. Long breath. Breath, long life soaring high, high resplendent, a flame crowned high in the effulgent, symbolistic, high of the ethereal bosom, high of the high, vast iridation everywhere, 
all soaring all around about the all, the endlessnessness. Wet in water did bloom, water lover, drawer of water, water carrier, returning to the range, admire its universality, its democratic equality, and constancy to its nature in seeking its own level, its vastness in the ocean of Mercator's projection, its unplumbed profundity in the sundom trench of the Pacific exceeding 8,000 fathoms, the restlessness of its waves and surface particles visiting in turn all points of its seaboard, the independence of its units, the variability of states of sea, its hydrostatic quiescence and calm, its hydrokinetic turgidity and neat and spring tides, its subsidence after devastation, its sterility in the circumpolar ice caps, Arctic and Antarctic, its climatic and commercial signifier in preponderance of three to one over the dry land of the globe, its indisputable hegemony extending in square leagues over all the regions below the sub-equatorial tropic of Capricorn, the multi-secular stability of its primeval basin, the luteofulvous bed, its capacity to dissolve and hold in solution all possible substances, including millions of tons of the most precious metals. Joyce loves language. He loves its sound. He loves its meaning. And that means he loves the way scientists reveal the earth. And in all of these different scientific disciplines are revelations that to him make him ecstatic. If he were alive today, James Joyce would be a science writer, no, bringing us the news we need. When we come back after our song break, we'll hear more voices and blessings this is Professor Barbara Mossberg for us, our po- Poetry Slowdown, RadioMonterey.com. It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing, hallelujah. That note, Weather by May Swanson. I hope they never get a rope on you, Weather. I hope they never put a bit in your mouth. I hope they never pack your snorts into an engine or make you wear wheels. I hope the astronauts will always have to wait till you get off the prairie because your kick is lethal, your temper worse than the megaton. I hope your harsh mane will grow forever and blow where it will, that your slick hide will always shiver and flick down your bright sweat. Reteach us terror, whether with your teeth on our ships, your hoofs on our houses, your tail swatting our planes down like flies. Before they make a grenade of our planet, 
I hope you'll come like a comet. Oh, Mustang, fire eyes, upreared belly, bust the corral and stomp us to death. Whoa, that is May Swenson, who in her 70s wrote, Mrs. Stevens hears the mermaids singing from T.S. Eliot's The Love Song of J. Alfred Prufrock, written when he is a young man about a man, Prufrock, who is depressed because he thinks he knows it all. And he doesn't think the mermaids will sing to him. Well, May Swenson believes the mermaids will sing to her and she hears it. Hear, hear. Well, we're at the poetry slowdown and we're trying to find what's news in the news for the spirit we need to endure and go on with relish and panache and cheer taking as our theme, cheerfulness is a sign of wisdom. And Professor Barbara Mossberg here in our cheerful studios with our team, Mr. Z, who produces our podcast at barbaramossberg.com. You can hear our shows anytime or share them. So we're coming on to St. Patrick's Day, and we're going to hear a little of the famous Irish voice, Irish poetry, rooted in at least two languages, Irish and English. The earliest surviving poems in Irish date back to the 6th century, where the first known poems in English from Ireland date to the 14th century. And uh, we hear writers like Jonathan Swift, and Oliver Goldsmith. Um, And we think about the Gaelic revival. This year, they're celebrating the 100th anniversary of the revolution, um, and Yeats is writing about that. Uh, We have the Northern School. We have... Um, Northern Irish poets, we have Seamus Haney, and we're going to hear from Yeats, a dialogue between myself and soul. Myself. A living man is blind and drinks his drop. What matter if the ditches are impure? What matter if I live it All once more endure that toll of growing up, the ignominy of boyhood, the distress of boyhood changing into man, the unfinished man and his pain brought face to face with his own clumsiness, the finished man among his enemies. How in the name of heaven can he escape that defiling and disfigured shape, the mirror of malicious eyes cast upon his eyes until at last he thinks that shape must be his shape. And what's the good of an escape if honor find him in the wintry blast? I am content to live it all again. And yet, again, if it be life to pitch into the frog spawn of a blind man's ditch, 
a blind man battering blind men, or into that most fecund ditch of all, the folly that man does or must suffer if he woos, a proud woman not kindred of his soul. I am content to follow to its source every event in action or in thought, measure the law, forgive myself the lot. When such as I cast out remorse, so great a sweetness flows into the breast, we must laugh and we must sing. We are blessed by everything. Everything we look upon is blessed. And this is his A Prayer for Old Age. God, guard me from those thoughts men think in the mind alone. He that sings a lasting song thinks in a marrow bone. From all that makes a wise old man that can be praised of all. Oh, what am I that I should not seem for the song's sake a fool? I pray, for word is out, and prayer comes round again, that I may seem, though I die old, a foolish, passionate man. A prayer on going into my house. God grant a blessing on this tower and cottage, and on my ears, if all remain unspoiled. No table or chair or stool, nor simple enough for shepherd lads in Galilee. And grant that I myself for portions of the year may handle nothing and set eyes on nothing but what the great and passionate have used throughout so many varying centuries. We take it for the norm. Well, Yates living in a tower in London, away from what he loves, the Lake Isle of Innisfree. I will arise and go now, and go to Innisfree, and a small cabin built there of clay and wattles made. Nine bean rows will I have there, a hive for the honeybee, and live alone in the bee loud glade and I shall have some peace there for peace comes dropping slow dropping from the veils of the morning to where the cricket sings there midnight's all a glimmer and noon a purple glow and evening full of the linnet's wings I will arise and go now for always night and day I hear Lake water lapping with low sounds by the shore while I stand on the roadway or on the pavement's gray. I hear it in the deep heart's core. Yates. Seamus Haney from the frontier of writing. The tightness and the nearness round that space when the car stops in the road the troops inspect its make and number, and as one bends his face towards your window, you catch sight of more on a hill beyond, eyeing with intent down cradled guns that hold you under cover, and everything is pure, pure interrogation until a rifle motions and you move 
with guarded, unconcerned acceleration, a little emptier, a little spent, as always by that quiver in the self, subjugated, yes, and obedient. So you drive on to the frontier of writing where it happens again. Begins on tripods, the sergeant with his on-off mic repeating data about you waiting for the squawk of clearance. The marksman training down out of the scent upon you like a hawk. And suddenly you're through, arraigned yet freed, as if you passed from behind a waterfall on the black current of a tarmac road, past armor-plated vehicles, out between the posted soldiers flowing and receding like tree shadows into the polished wind stream. He writes about digging potatoes in terms of poetry. Everything he does, every experience is transforming it into poetry. And maybe that is what makes him endure digging the cold smell of potato mold, the squelch and slap of soggy peat, the curt cuts of an edge through living roots awaken in my head that I've no spade to follow men like them between my finger and my thumb. The squat pen rests. I'll dig with it. James Joyce, in his portrait of the artist as a young man, really again looking self-consciously at what he's doing as a writer. His heart danced upon her movements like a cork upon the tide. He heard what her eyes said to him from beneath her cowl and knew that in some dim past, whether in life or reverie, he had heard their tale before. I will tell you what I will do and what I will not do. I will not serve that in which I no longer believe, whether it calls itself my home, my fatherland, or my church, and I will try to express myself in some mode of life or art as freely as I can, as wholly as I can, using for my defense the only arms I allow myself to use, silence, exile, and cutting. A day of dappled seaborne clouds. The phrase and the day and the scene harmonized in accord. Words, was it their colors? He allowed them to glow and fade, hue after hue, Sunrise gold, the russet and green of apple orchards, azure of waves, the gray-fringed fleece of clouds. No, it was not their colors. It was the poise and balance of the period itself. Did he then love the rhythmic rise and fall of words better than their associations of legend and color? Or was it that, being as weak of sight as he was of mind, shy of mind, he drew less pleasure from the reflection of the glowing, sensible world through the prism of language many-colored and richly storied than from the contemplation of an inner world of individual emotions mirrored perfectly in a lucid, supple, periodic prose. So this self-conscious writing 
He was alone. He was unheeded, happy, and near to the wild heart of life. He was alone and young and willful and wild-hearted, alone amid a waste of wild air, brackish waters, and the sea harvest of shells and tangle and veiled gray sunlight. Welcome, O life. I go to encounter for the millionth time the reality of experience and to forge in the smithy of my soul the uncreated conscience of my race. That's James Joyce. And I think since we are celebrating the Irish, we have to read the ending of Ulysses. You're saying, oh good, I I was hoping that that is what you would do. Molly Bloom. I wish some man or other would take me some time when he's there and kiss me in his arms. There's nothing like a kiss long and hot down to your soul almost paralyzes you. I love flowers. I'd love to have the whole place swimming in roses. God of heaven, there's nothing like nature. The wild mountains, then the sea, and waves rushing then. The beautiful country with the fields of oats and wheat and all kinds of things and all the fine cattle going about that would do your heart good to see. Rivers and lakes and flowers, all sorts of shapes and smells and colors. After that long kiss, I near lost my breath. Yes, he said, I was a flower of the mountain. Yes, so we are all flowers, all a woman's body. Yes, then I asked him with my eyes to ask again. Yes, and then he asked me, would I? Yes, to say, yes, my mountain flower. And first I put my arms around him. Yes, and drew him down to me so he could feel my breast all perfume. Yes, and his heart was going like mad and Yes, I said. Yes, I will. Yes. James Joyce. May peace and plenty be the first to lift the latch to your door and happiness be guided to your home. May the embers from the open hearth warm your hands. May the sun's rays from the Irish sky warm your face. May the children's bright smiles warm your heart. May the everlasting love I give you warm your soul. May you always have work for your hands to do. May your pockets hold a coin or two. May the sun shine bright on your window pane. May the rainbow be certain to follow each rain. May the hand of a friend always be near you. And may God fill your heart with gladness to cheer you. May your thoughts be as glad as the shamrocks. May your heart be as light as a song. May each day bring you bright, happy hours that stay with you all the year long. May you always have walls for the winds, a roof for the rain, tea beside the fire, laughter to cheer you, those you love near you, and all your heart might desire. May St. Patrick guard you wherever you go and guide you in whatever you do. And may his loving protection be a blessing to you. May the road rise to meet you. May the wind always be at your back. May the sun shine warm upon your face. The rains fall soft upon your fields. And until may God hold you 
in the palm of his hand. May you have love that never ends, lots of money and lots of friends. Health be yours, whatever you do, and may God send many blessings to you. May the sun shine all day long, everything go right and nothing wrong. May those you love bring love back to you, and may all the wishes you wish come true. May your feet never sweat, your neighbor give you never give you near a treat. When flowers bloom, I hope you'll not sneeze, and may you always have someone to squeeze. Irish, you a very nice place to live. Irish, God's pleasures, gifts he'll give. I wish you health and wealth and more. I wish you smile and face at my door. May your pockets be heavy and your heart be light. May good luck pursue you each morning and night. For each petal on the shamrock, this brings a wish your way. Good health, good luck, and happiness for today and every day. May the Irish hills caress you. May her lakes and rivers bless you. May the luck of the Irish enfold you. May the blessings of St. Patrick behold you. And that's what I say to poetry. Slow down. Thank you for joining us today here at RadioMonterey.com. Think for yourself, radio. Thank you to our producer, Mr. Z, Zappa Johns, and our station team, Solazar, and our Emerita producer, Sarah Hughes, and you being part of this endeavor to make poetry part of our civic consciousness, part of our day our cheerleader, cheering us on, cheering us up, the news without which men die miserably every day, William Carlos Williams says, and he ought to know. And I'm Professor Barbara Mossberg, cheering you on wisely. Don't let anyone tell you any different. Cheers. Cheers. Here, here. Dappled and drowsy and ready to sleep Let the morning time drop all its petals on me Life I love you, all is groovy Ba-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-